0: I'm Paul Dunn, and welcome to The Creative Relay, the podcast where Australia's most inspiring creatives talk to the creatives that most inspire them. Brought to you by Smith & Weston. So here's the deal. Each episode, you'll hear from an inspiring creative mind, first to be interviewed, and then interviewing the creative of their choice in the following episode. Before we begin, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. (laughs) So to kick things off, we had to make an executive decision. Who best to start this relay? There was one name who not only had the credentials, but has also inspired generations of Australian creative talent. And at a major junction of his career, it felt timely to give him the honour of being our inaugural host. I'm speaking, of course, about Ant Keogh, and he's our first guest on The Creative Relay. We might as well start Ant and just get things going. So, Aunt Keo, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to come up and chat. It's a pleasure, Paul. And be our inaugural guest <laughs> and host on the Creative Relay. Um, now, on your recent departure from in Melbourne, uh, as Chief Creative Officer, James McGrath, the Creative Chairman, said this. He leaves on the world-beating high of Agency of the Year at Cannes. A testament to his creative leadership and extraordinary ability. I cannot express enough the absolute privilege of working with Ant. He has made my working life an extraordinary joy. Now, coming from someone who's not renowned for their emotional outpourings, that's really a massive compliment, isn't
1: it? Yeah, that was, that was really lovely of James to say that. Um, and we'd spent, I think, 15 years to
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I started working at uh, YNR with... James. Then we went to George Patterson. Why know, As it merged, and then at Clemenger for ten years. So what's that? Eighteen years. Yeah. Um, and you know, James taught me an awful lot in that time. Uh, he was always that sort of. He, I think he was a creative director at about twenty-three or something. So he had a huge job to fill, but you know, massive kind of shoulders really to to, to at a young age and he sort of found that pretty easy, whereas I found the management side of things, for me, that was like a real learning curve. Like, oh, I always felt like a sort of creative guy from the get-go, but the management side of things, it was a huge learning curve. And I think through that 18 years, I kind of learned that from James. Right. Um, yeah. Not to say that I didn't learn creative things from him, because that's also true, but... But that was the striking difference between us, I, I suppose, is that he seemed to know how to do that from you know the get go, whereas for me it was was a was my my biggest learning. Um, but um, and so are we I left there with a lot of respect for him and the rest of the agency, and, um, and obviously it was nice that he said that. Yeah, it was, a, it was a
0: beautiful compliment, I think, mate. But um, so it seems like you know you mentioned that you work with. With with James and and probably a couple of the other guys, um, for
1: for quite an extended period of time,
0: mm. is is that loyalty? Do you think is is that important to you?
1: I think loyalty is important to me, but I don't know. I mean, it could be a Melbourne thing that you know, the Melbourne industry is a little smaller, mm. so therefore there, there's a sort of slight gang down there, and they're not. It's it's, it's got a kind of. You know, even though these people are at different agencies, there's a bunch of people that seem to stay in Melbourne there. It's a kind of collegial friendliness too. You know, I f- I f- my sense, and I don't know if it's true, is that, that, that people are less competitive with each other down there than perhaps up in Sydney, but I, I could be wrong. Right. I don't know Sydney. Yeah. I know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but that's a very interesting perspective though, that, that that's how you think it is. And I wonder if you if you actually worked up here, whether you'd find the same experience and maybe it says more about you and as opposed to what
1: it says about the Melbourne industry. Well, interestingly, there's, interestingly, there's a client loyalty. You know, there's everyone always talks about that it's a much more transient kind of business up here. Um, I don't know if that's just because there's more business or the type of business, but there's, you know, these long-standing relationships often, you know, um, big clients like the breweries, the Holden, Mars, you know, has been with Clemenger for a long time, for example. Um,
0: why do you think that is? Any theories on that one? Because I, I actually d- hadn't ever I,
1: thought about that. I don't know I why it is, but I've definitely noticed a lot of people speaking about it, people from Sydney talking about the transient nature of being up up here, hmm. as we are in Sydney today. Hmm. I think you want to, I mean, uh, no one's supposed to stay in the same How many jobs are we meant to have now? I read a statistic about it the other day, everyone's supposed to have like Twenty jobs and th- go through about three different genres of job or something. Mm. Whereas I've I've only been in one really my whole life, which is sort of media. Um, I guess uh, it's been a while since you applied for a job. <laughs> yeah, it has been that's <laughs> been a while. I yeah. didn't I didn't apply. That's right. That's a good point because um, when I was back way back at Wine, I was my first job with James, who we spoke about before. Um, I actually went to London for a year and when I came back all that crew that were at I had moved to Pat's so I just kind of slipped back in there with, with them and then, and then Clemenger was the same thing just moved across pretty much with James um so yes, no, I haven't applied for a job for a long time. Well, if you need some help with your CV, mate, uh, you. we'll be able to Appreciate sort something nice. out.
0: Um, so, but just on on your, on your departure, I mean, it was it was a massive uh, bit of news, really, when mm. it came out. And I remember when I first read it, I was actually over reading over someone's shoulder, and they were on the comments section on the campaign brief blog, and. I thought you must have died. I mean, everyone was so phenomenally nice, uh, which is, you know, people only do that when people pass away.
1: Yeah, that's right. If, lifetime achievement awards if, or something. Yeah.
0: Well, I think even lifetime achievement, there's always someone with a digging the knife in. Yeah. But uh, those comments, uh, the thing I noticed was, um, well, everyone put their name to it and they were really, really just so complimentary and so positive and so. So beautiful, I thought. I mean, how did that make you feel?
1: No, I did feel good about that, actually. I think someone on there eventually commented and said, and that's what I noticed because, you know, someone mentioned, hey, there's no bad comments on here. And um, I thought, "Oh, I suppose that either Michael Lynch was editing them out, which is actually (laughs) feasible. Um, But, no, that, that was really nice. I mean, I try not to be a jerk, I suppose, you know, when it comes to my creative direction style or what have you, I I try to not do things to junior people that annoyed me when I was a junior person, you know. So I don't know if that's anything, you know, that stands for anything. But I was also told that, you know, that notion about being nice to people on the way up because they'll be there when you're on the way down or whatever that thing was. I mean, I only just thought of that then. But someone told me then about about my you know, third month of advertising. I think it's true. Right, stuck with you. Well, is that did I say that right? Yeah, no, that's on true. The, yeah, on the way down they're gonna. Be yeah,
0: here, right? yeah, yeah. Be, be nice to on the way up because you yeah. might you'll run into them again on the way down. Yeah, yeah. So from those from those comments that I read and and even just talking to people who've worked with you, that humility I think is a characteristic that people talk about all the time and. You know, I really was interested to understand whether you've just sort of grown into that humility and you feel like you don't have to blow your own trumpet anymore because there's people lining up to blow it for you or, or whether that has been something that has been a characteristic
1: all the, all the time. I do actually, I do have a healthy ego. Yeah? I mean, I think, think all creatives have to have a bit of an ego to, th- you know, there's this kind of, you have to put stuff out there and risk it being... Hum- Risk being humiliated. You need a certain sort of inner force to be putting out an idea in the first place. So I do, but um, yeah, you know, it is just that thing about treating people the way you would want to be treated. Didn't Jesus say that? I think well, Jesus it, might have said it. That. It was one of them. <laughs> I not maybe, maybe they all say that. Yeah, I
0: think they all kind of do
1: say. That. And now you've
0: said it, so you're you're in good yeah.
1: company, mate. Uh, you know, this this creative in- industry we're in is so driven by awards. I suppose when you've won some big awards and satisfied yourself in that way, I guess you don't feel like you have to perhaps be on everyone else's work. You know, I have a real re- kind of uh, aversion to standing there sec- sec- accepting awards for, you know, other people's work when I know they... They thought of the idea, or they put in the hard work. I tend to not really feel great about that. It's just, right. it's just, it's just some pathological thing I've got where I try and avoid it. And that's that's. I remember I once was I was in Cannes and I was winning. I was the only you know person there from Clemenger, and and I think we won for uh, Breakup, which is now Breakup. We won a Grand Prix, and I just felt terrible that the guys who thought of that idea weren't there. And so I remember writing a. A note, like getting a piece of paper and going, "Get on your jewels and Tom or something," so that when they and stuck it on the award, so when they took the photo, those guys would see that I was acknowledging them, acknowledging them, them. which is probably just unnecessary. I don't know, but I think they liked it.
0: I'm I'm sure they did, and I think you know, just the gesture. I mean,
1: it's probably why people speak so kind of highly of you. I'm I'm actually Catholic, so maybe it's like Catholic guilt. guilt. Yeah, it's just guilt. That's I'm sure it's not some good reason. Yeah, it'll only be a bad reason. <laughs> <laughs> undoubtedly, undoubtedly. I, mean, that's, I think that's 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 really lovely. That's when I was more egotistical at the time when I was the writer on a job. You know, like the hundred percent writer on a job or something. Then I noticed I was more sort of egot, not egotistic, but I had ownership over that work more. I seemed to have. I seem to connect it with the writing or. Right, not you have to be the writer, but you know the thinking of the idea. Do you? When, think that's when be- I used to do that, then I felt, you know, then then I think I, my I was a little different. Right, and do you think that was because you perhaps invested more in it, or yeah, really? I mean, you would you know yourself, don't you? That you're putting your heart and soul into it, even though it's just an ad. Yeah, you know, so you, I was very connected to those things for better or worse. You know, those jobs that. And, and and those awards, for me, felt better however many years ago than, say, no, I won't say this year, but, you know, like, I just felt more connectedness to it. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know that that's actually great, because as a CD, you really have to be able to feel part of it. And sometimes I, I was more part of it, and sometimes I was less part of it. You know, so so it just just depends on the job, really. Yeah. So speaking of awards,
0: I mean, extraordinary achievements. So, I mean, you know, there's a list for everything. But the uh, top ten global creative leaders who are reinventing the advertising industry, according to Adweek, mm. that's you. Uh, ranked number one CD in Australia so many times it's not worth mentioning. Uh, Can agency of the year for Clems in Melbourne, 2017. DNAD agency of the year. Spikes Asia number one creative agency. Campaign Brief, Australian Agency of the Year, seven years out of the last ten.
1: So Ant, yeah. you're on the top of so many lists. Yeah, and that's a huge team effort. I mean that's that's an agency doing that. That's not that's certainly not just me. Um, but what does but, it mean to you be, to pretty, be to be like you know? that? It was it was great. I mean, I think everyone at Clems, for example, and I think it goes for most good agencies. They they they're pretty obsessive about trying to be the best. You know, it's a it's not just kind of an accident. They really go out there to do it. So, you know, that whole team of people, were, the whole thing was sort of firing from from the creative director through to the account service, through the production, through to the receptionist. The receptionist at Clemenger is um, really good. <laughs> Shout out to the receptionist at Clemenger. But, um, do you James think, for one of them. There's th- a James at the reception and a James at, um, you know, creative Chairman. Chairman. All right, there you <laughs> go. That's nice bookends.
0: <laughs> yeah. So tell me the, um, and you do talk about the agency striving to be the best.
1: What, came, what's the secret? How do you do it, it? It came upon everyone as a bit of a, I mean, as a, as much as everyone's trying to do it, like, like I said, every agency around town's trying to do it. So it's a lot of luck in terms of timing, even before my time, Clemenger was um, pretty consistently winning awards and things like that. But you just, you know, some of it's luck just getting those few jobs all to hit at the same time. That's that was definitely part of it. You know, you get three big jobs that are winning everything, and you'll you'll start getting up near those peaks. Yeah. Um, Do you set out with okay? We've got to get something
0: big, something that's kind of
1: well. We don't really tend to think like that. We would definitely just try and make every job count and then we would just look up at the end of the year and see what we had. That was really what we were doing. I think maybe we became a bit more conscious of it in the last few years. But even then, you're just, you're just trying to make the job in front of you as good as it can be and then the next job in, as good as it can be. And you, then you, like I said, it's luck at a certain point. In the if you get three in you know, in the space of a year, that don't, you know, because sometimes it might be just one month too early or one month too late. If you happen to get those three in a year, say some agencies do it on one in a year, you know, we know some classic cases of yeah, just one job that's, which I think is more possible to do this now. Yeah, there's this strange phenomenon now where one job can make you agency of the year around the world. Yes. Whereas in the olden days, you know, a job couldn't win 60 lines or something. It couldn't win in so many categories. But yeah, because of that category thing. So you'd have, say so you did an amazing piece, it was probably a television ad in the early days of Cannes, and you get one gold line. Yeah. I kind of feel a bit sorry for the old writers and art directors because they did a job that maybe is as good as something now, but the person now gets 60 lines. Yeah whereas they got one line yeah. for the equivalent amount of it was worth brilliance. A, it was worth a lot more, though, back yeah. then. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, it's it's very interesting, isn't it, I think? But, um, I mean, you talk about the body of work is just so phenomenal and, you know, you could look back at at the things that you've done. So, you know, from most recently me, Graham, Hunger Rhythm, uh, The Boys, The Remote Control Tourist, The Magic Salad Plate, Big Ad, obviously. Um, my personal favourite, the um, canoe. No, canoe? The canoe? Oh, that's interesting, yeah. Oh, I do hate the canoe.
1: No, I like canoe. Yeah? Yeah, I was thinking about canoe before because it's when I met Paul Middletish doing that Right. Yeah.
0: What's your favourite out of all uh, out of everything you've done? Do you have something you go, I mean, whether it's the work itself or whether it was the process that got you to that work? Or,
1: yeah. Um, it's a boring answer, but probably it is the big ad. Yeah?
0: It's a big Yeah.
1: Yeah, it just from just before we did that, it was the whole campaign was potentially about to die because the manager, the marketing manager, didn't like the line made from beer, or you know. But then miraculously, so I think I had six months of worrying about this new marketing manager who turned out to be brilliant because he liked the, he liked this ad. I showed him this ad and he liked it, and it was. I don't know why. I don't know quite how it all turned around, but suddenly, from hearing rumours of this thing was going to just die, we were suddenly making big ad, and they were even letting us have a bit more money to make it, because once they saw the idea. So, from that moment onwards, it all went pretty seamlessly. Right. I kind of had a feeling it was going to be good. Yeah. You know, before it was made. Yeah. And then, and then it was, uh, you yeah, know, a great success.
0: Was there ever was there ever any doubt? Do you think that it was going to be fantastic?
1: Well, not from me. It sounds arrogant to say, but no, I kind of knew it was going to be good. Yeah. As long as we didn't screw it up in yeah. the making. Yeah. Yeah. And because, weirdly, I made started making a video about it, um, which is online, to like the making of it, and um, which is sort of testament to the fact that I kind of thought there is something here, and you know, this is probably going to fly. Yeah. This could work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And well it's,
0: done for having that insight, I reckon.
1: Thanks. And just that confidence. Well, well Grant and I were lucky that we, uh, Grant Rutherford, my art director at the time, uh, we were we were lucky in that we kind of invented a campaign that was our sense of humour. Mm. You know, kind of, it's just a coincidence that there was a product that happened to mesh in with our sense of humour. Mm. So, we kind of, wrote a space for ourselves to play in, really. Mm. And we had a great, you know, great fun and great success for those next few years, really.
0: You mentioned earlier about uh, clients being quite loyal down there, or at least long-term. Um, I mean, you've had a, an amazing relationship with
1: the brewery, I guess. Yeah, I um, kind of switched agencies just almost to follow them a bit, you know. It wasn't, wasn't, wasn't that conscious, but I just remember it, Thinking, geez, these. I really like working on this thing. It lets me, as I said, it sort of lets me express myself. It's not, it's not often you get to express your own sensibility so boldly. Yeah. And so it definitely was one of the factors in ma- what that made me want to go switch over to Clemenger because the, I was following the client over there. You know, I wouldn't have done it just because of that, but it was definitely a big part of it. Mm. Yeah.
0: And so, I mean, I know it's a cliche question, but I still think it's kind of interesting because. So if it didn't exist, if, if advertising didn't exist, so what do you think you – what would you be doing now? Well, I,
1: I suppose other art things are an easy answer to that. But if I wasn't sort of handy at arty things, I think I might have gone into some, something to do with psychology. Similar skill set? Yeah, it's definitely part of what we do or what we use. You know, I've been, I, I used to read – my mum had psychology books lying around sociology. I used to sort of read them just for fun, just to see how humans worked. I think I always found humans a bit confusing, and probably myself confusing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> for one reason or another. But I, I remember I used to be interested in it. Yeah, right. And yeah, and then and that sort of stuff, you know, I use to the, this day. I think some of those, some of that kind of thinking. Because I find it really interesting, advertising creatives, because
0: you know they're a really eclectic, weird colourful bunch of people and so many are in it because there's someone channelling their creativity, someone telling yeah. them what to do because I think yeah. generally we're, we're fairly hopeless yeah. and it's really great to have someone to tell you, right, hand, you need to do this today.
1: I know I feel lucky that, um, that I had a clear-cut path in a sense, just, just that even when I was young I could draw. I think just because I, everything I do now sort of stems from the fact that I could draw. Right. That's what it feels like. Since I was a little kid, you know. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Cause I knew I could draw. Yeah. I learned that there was a job called not I didn't know that there was advertising, but I saw I used to have, there was this guy that lived around the corner and he I bumped into him one time and he was a sort of graphic designer. Commercial artist it was called. His name's Norm Clifford. And he was a really good painter and a really and he we used to do catalogues of I think for different supermarkets, he could do he could hand-draw all those. You know, you know, like a catalogue now, they used to all be drawn. Yeah. I don't know if you can remember. Yeah. But he used to be able to paint He's those. Sort of like
0: Bunnings now.
1: Yeah, a bit like Bunnings yeah. catalogues now, yeah. He did all those drawings and they put together different magazines. And because and, and I saw him, I realised, oh, there's a job for someone who can do arty things. That's an actual job, you know. It's right. a really fortuitous meeting. Yeah, right. Um and from then, I could sort of tell my mum that, "Hey, there's this job in art," and that led to sort of pursuing those um, subjects in high school. And from there, you know, as I yeah. into, into college and da da da, and and that's all through the drawing. So, because I was an art director when I started, and um, and then from there, I decided I want. I got into screenwriting, and that got me kind of into being the copywriter, and the screenwriting. Sort of got me into film. And so I taught myself how to use cameras and that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, so that and was computers actually. Be- and it all just leads from one thing to another. Yeah, yeah. that was
0: actually going to be one of my questions, mate, because you know, you've um, got such a diversity of skills. Um, it's really incredible. Well, I
1: do a whole lot of things, okay.
0: Yeah, but that's, that's pretty good.
1: <laughs> it's better than doing a whole lot of things shit. You know? no, it's, it's really, really helpful to do one thing brilliantly. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: But So artist, musician, filmmaker, writer, if you had to choose, which one were you going to go with?
1: Is this fantasy world, <laughs> is this little construct here allowing for the fact that I'd be... You can answer yeah, it two answer ways. Two okay, ways. answer it two ways. Answer, give me the answer. Realistically. Give me the answer realistically. Realistically, I would go for art because I know that um so painting I, I get, painting you mean yeah painting yeah. and, and it's because i get you know people already sort of want to pay me to you know art for them whereas you know filmmaking screenwriting it's all tough in terms of you know so i'm being very in this particular example i'm okay. being really so now, practical chuck
0: but, realism okay aside. but in this
1: fantasy where maybe i'm whatever i imagine whatever i do it works yeah i probably almost say music i think really yeah
0: that's surprising. I thought you would have thought. I thought you would have said film.
1: Do you want know any of them? <laughs> any of it, them is the truthful answer, it it was, it, and that's it. what I've always. Um, that's why I've always kept those things burning. You know, if, if one of those, I always thought if I could do any of those, I'd be happy. You know, if anyone would pay me enough money to be a screenwriter, filmmaker, artist, musician, really, you know, at that point you're you're winning. You're rolling clover. <laughs>
0: So, Ant, it's hard for me to even fathom that you've got any regrets in terms of your career, but when you're dealing with clients, there's, there's always got to be one idea that just slipped through your fingers, something that got away that you go, I really wish I'd been able to make that.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. you going to tell us? Um, I've, I mean, there's one that's... I've got my difficult, not difficult third album, but more my non-album album which was the, I did a campaign that, it's out there, it's just no one ever saw it, and it's, for, it's a Carlton Draft campaign, was called the Carlton Draft Tingle. Yes. Remember that? Yes, I do. That was like, that's a sort of disaster in that, it's, I mean, I, I took, I'd been working for a year and a half before this campaign got out, and um, and I'd well, what had happened I'd, I'd done two sort of campaigns that had got all the way to being made just about and then died um one it was will ferrell was in it i would have really liked to make that there's another one with a a talking squirrel in it a talking squirrel who was uh who had come in to run not fosters but run a business and he was like a maniacal boss that that was another one that died sounds as i say it out loud it sounds like i can see why (laughs) um and then, then finally, um, and that had taken at least a year or something to get those two things. To be because killed. Of, yeah, because with the Will, Fer- Will Ferrell, uh, uh, that got all the way up to nearly being made. He, was, he signed on and then he signed off type of thing. Right. So it got, you, know, you can imagine by the time you're signing on the actor, you're getting pretty far into it. Yeah. A lot of research. These, things, these big big campaigns get researched like a lot. So, so, yeah, I think we'd burnt a year. And then I was up to three and did that tingle thing. So, and then we made it all the way, you know, we went through all that heartache again of like researching, getting stuff approved, blah, 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 and finally made those ads. And um, and the new CEO came in, in at Foster's and just absolutely hated them. And to cut a long story short, they, they kind of never really ran. They ran online a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I guess what's, you know, a little frustrating about that is they were they're kind of essentially a jingle and they were just meant to be heard a few times.
0: See that man driving his car right over a hill, right over a hill. It gave him a feeling riding his coolies, it's the Carlton Duff Tingle, the Carlton Duff Tingle
1: that In the you know, when they heard a few times, it was amazing how people were just saying like, I cannot get that song out of my head. You know, so I knew that in on a commercial level they would have I'm pretty sure they would have worked. They just weren't given the opportunity. Yeah, and they're, but they're very polarizing ads. Like some people just hate them, some people love them. They researched them again, I think three three years later or something, um, to see if they could run them, and they researched better. like and they researched well with young people, but researched really badly with old people. Right. But nevertheless, just the fact that they read this sort of earworm thing, yeah, you know, made me feel like even if people hate it, it'll sort of work. Give it a go. So I just kind of wished it got out there. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: And then funnily enough, I just did an ad for BCF recently. I was going to mention. Which has, you know, a very sim- similar jingle.
0: Oh, it's BCF and fun. Camping on a
1: mountain, not fishing in the sun. So it repeats yeah. the brand about 10 times in the space of 30 seconds, just like the carton Draft Tingle did. You know, and and, um, and I didn't really realise the parallel between those two, but but they are kind of similar. Yeah, very much. so. I didn't so. think about it until the other day. Yeah, because I was yeah. I was going to ask you about yeah. PCF because well, and their I, sales are apparently up up a lot. I would have thought so. I would <laughs> yeah. have thought so. so I mean,
0: yeah. it, it's amazing, isn't it? Because things just do go out of fashion so much, and you know, for a long time there, the jingle was just you, you can't yeah. do that. I yeah, mean, I quite but,
1: like doing things that are... Yeah, uh, fashion, oh, well,
0: yeah. The, you've got to bring them <laughs> back. And I don't know, I, I, I look at people from, from that area, you know, like Mo and Joe. And yeah. you know, th- there was a real skill in being able to do that. that so it's just bad enough. <laughs> <that> fun, fun. <laughs> so, what advice do you give creatives? And, you know, uh, I think a lot of the time we sort of worry about the, the really young guys on things. Yeah. I'm kind of more interested in the people who have invested 10 years of their life. In working in agencies or so working yeah. in the creative field, and they're just at that point. We're going. Do I really commit to this? Am yeah. I going to go
1: the whole way with this? What sort of advice do you give to those guys? It's a very personal thing, though, isn't it? I mean, you can't. You can't. It's hard to tell someone whether they uh, should be doing something or shouldn't be doing it. But if they do want to do advertising, then. I tell the very young ones to get inside somewhere and make yourself invaluable. Mm. That's what advice I was told when I was like really junior and um, and I kind of tried to do that by and large. But yeah, it's tricky with the people that are older. I mean, it's about two years before I did Carlton Draft, uh-huh. I was told by Ted Horton, you better freaking do some ads that your clients know about because soon everyone's going to be freelance and you better do some some like ads that seem like they sold something. You know, I thought that was pretty good advice.
0: That was uh, great advice and advice well ahead of its time.
1: Yes, it was well ahead of its time and you know because I think now people are becoming freelance and this was this was 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. I'm really curious about your
0: personal projects that you work on and how you've managed to be so prolific
1: when you've got a day job. I used to just do it I used to be pretty relentless about it, um, way back before I had a child. Um, just spend all my holidays doing it, and then uh, like I'd spend the four, you know, three weeks or whatever I had at Christmas time, just say painting, and then that would give me a bit of a burst where I could keep it up on weekends and at night time, and it would you know, it sort of peter away again, and then I'd have another big burst whenever. Was September. it just
0: was it just feeding a different? Side of you or something because you think like spending all you know, day just being creative at work,
1: yeah, on it's someone such else's a coin. different type of creativity because paintings, sitting around with music on loud, yeah, right, just paint, you know, I don't know, it seems quite different to me, right, than sitting there furiously trying to solve a problem, right, it's a much more relaxing thing. So yeah, for me that was re- relaxing, but I, I do remember sitting there one summer and all my friends had gone down to the beach and I was sitting there thinking, man, I'm really like putting out here. Like, all those guys are having fun and I'm being an artist. I hope this artist thing pays off one day. <laughs> Do you feel it has? Not really.
0: <laughs> oh, well, there's still time, Ed. There's still time. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's pretty <laughs> funny. <laughs> so, like, at work you get clients approving your jobs, you get awards, you get pay rises, you get all this external validation. Do you need that external validation in your personal projects? Do you look for it? Yeah, I think...
1: Whenever you try and write a song or do a piece of art or something, you do want someone to see it, but I don't always get it. I haven't. I, I don't know. I'm actually really bad at that bit. I'm really good at working hard and doing the work. I'm quite. I'm quite hopeless at getting it out into the world. Final question: They're making a movie of your life. Yeah. What genre? Hopefully not a tragedy. <laughs> I think it'll be a dull movie, but it'll be a, some kind of drama. Do you think drama? I would've gone comedy. Yeah, I mean I, mean, I know why you're saying that, but my life doesn't isn't that funny. Right. You know. I wish it I wish it, I wish I could say a comedy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But honestly I'd probably say I don't know, kind of European style, like very slow drama. <laughs> 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 on SBS at 3am. 3, 3 <laughs>
0: right, okay, very slow
1: build. Mm, yeah. You'd have to be committed to Like a to Russian it. drama or something. Yeah, okay, cool. No, yeah, certainly comedy is something I try and, I don't know, it's definitely part of me. Yeah, it seems it's, it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> hey, listen, mate, Um, it's been really, really wonderful chatting to you. It's been great. Um, Now, as part of this whole creative relay thing, you know, the vibe is all Mm. about inspiring creatives, getting to chat to uh, a creative that inspires them. So, you've selected someone that you're going to chat to next time. And we thought that rather than you just telling us that, Mm. you could give us a hint as to who this person is. So, have you got
1: a clue for us? He's a British person. It's a he, which narrows it down not at all because there are so many British people in Australian advertising. Um, Been out here about 20 years. Again, thank you so much, Ant, and uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Paul.
0: Thanks for downloading the Creative Relay podcast brought to you by Smith & Weston. Go to our website at thecreativerelay.com, made by our good friends at Macadamia Digital, where you'll find a whole lot more info and extra content about the podcasts and all our guests. I'll be back next time with Ant and his guest. Meanwhile, don't forget to subscribe, like, and rate us. See you next time.